Hello and welcome to the Modern Psychedelics Podcast. Thank you so much for being here and choosing to spend some time with me today. I'm your host, Lana. If you're interested in exploring how modern humans can use psychedelics to engage more deeply with life, you're in the right place. You can expect balanced and grounded conversations around the therapeutic, spiritual, and recreational use of psychedelics. All right, let's journey. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Psychedelics Podcast. I am beyond excited and honored to be recording this episode for you guys today. And I'm going to be sharing about my experience at Iboga Wellness Center in Costa Rica. And this episode is going to be covering the first of two ceremonies. So the way I'm structuring this is kind of two episodes. The first is going to be the first ceremony and kind of like the first half of the eight days. And then the next episode that follows will be, you know, centered around the second ceremony and the second half of the experience. And let me just start off right off the bat by saying that the the two ceremonies could not have been more different from each other. They were absolutely a night and day experience. So I'm excited and looking forward to, yeah, just sharing about both of those with you. This has been an absolutely life-changing experience. I actually just got home yesterday from Costa Rica and I was kind of planning on taking it pretty easy today. I don't have any client calls. I wasn't planning on doing any work, just kind of, you know, doing laundry, unpacking, regrounding, but I feel so energized and excited to share about this that I was like, you know what, I want to just sit down and record this episode today while the experience is so fresh in my mind. And I just, I I don't think I've ever looked forward to sharing about something with you guys this much. So like I said, I'm going to be sharing about my experience as a participant of this medicine. This was my first experience with Iboga. I don't know if it's going to be my last. We'll see. But I'm sharing as a participant of this medicine. I am not an expert in Iboga. I'm certainly not a trained Iboga provider. I have not been initiated by the Bwiti. I am a humble and new student of this medicine and the Bwiti tradition. And the reason that I'm sharing is so that, you know, I can raise awareness and insight about this medicine. I think it's one that isn't talked about as much as ayahuasca, DMT, 5-MeO, mushrooms, LSD. Um, So I just want more people out there to know about this medicine and just know that these are my experiences. They are my own. They're not gospel. Everyone has different experiences with Iboga. And like I said, my two ceremonies were completely different from each other. So just like with ayahuasca, you know, every single experience is different from one another. And just a few more disclaimers here before we get started. So I went to Iboga Wellness Center. They invited me to come. So I'm sharing, you know, about this experience, honestly, from my heart. Um, I feel like after Iboga, it's impossible to not be honest, because Iboga is, you know, as Levi said, truth serum. It really connects us to the truth of our life and to like the capital T truth. 
So yeah, I'm going to be sharing honestly about my experience. This was a media trip, which means that I was invited to participate in a eight day retreat in exchange for these podcast episodes and sharing about my experiences. So just know that all my opinions are, you know, coming honestly from my heart and, you know, when I asked Levi, who is the Iboga provider at Iboga Wellness Center, it's, you know, he's the one who runs the center. When he was asked about, like, what would you like to accomplish from this partnership? What are you hoping to gain out of this? And he just had the most humble, beautiful answer and said that he wants more people to know about Iboga. So, yeah, going into these next few episodes about my experience, just, you know, keep that keep that in your heart, keep that in your mind that the intention for this is to share so that more people know about this absolutely beautiful, powerful medicine. Another really important disclaimer here is that Iboga is a very, very powerful medicine that requires great caution to work with. Never, ever, ever work with this medicine if you're considering it without a trained Iboga provider such as Levi. Iboga is really different from other psychedelics and it can be extremely dangerous to work with and can actually even lead to death if not handled properly. A little bit about Levi. So he's a traditionally trained Bwiti Iboga provider who trained with a 10th generation shaman, 10th generation Bwiti shaman, Maginda of the Misoko Bwiti tribe in Gabon, Africa. So Levi has been involved with Iboga for 13 years. He used it to heal himself of a heroin addiction, of a um, opiate addiction that he was struggling with. He got hooked on opiates after a snowboarding accident. He was prescribed pain medication. You know, he had stories in his head that he comes from a family of addicts. Therefore, it's inevitable that he will be an addict and he struggled with that for about 10 years until, you know, Iboga saved his life. And then after that experience, he trained with Moginda in Costa Rica for seven years before serving another person this medicine. Levi is a wonderful, beautiful human being who is so, so humble, so pure so gentle, so soft, so kind, so sweet. Yeah, I have so much love for this brother who I have been blessed to, you know, unite with in this life and to to be able to work with him in this way to share this medicine with you guys is really, truly, it is an honor. It, it really is. <laughs> I'm getting emotional. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, let's let's get into it. I'm uh, if you're watching this on video, you can see that just got really emotional in my eyes. But yeah, no, it really, really is. I, I feel so incredibly blessed to have been blessed by this medicine to have crossed paths with Levi, which was an incredibly synergistic um, coming together, uh, facilitated by ayahuasca, actually. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just, uh, I'm really excited. So you guys, let's get into it. I'm going to stop saying that I'm excited <laughs> and just start sharing with you. So, you know, I'll start with how I kind of prepared for this experience. Iboga is a medicine that I was extremely repulsed by for many years. 
I really respected it. Um, but I was repulsed by the idea of actually sitting with it because everything that I heard about it made it sound like it was just so intense. Um, and I knew that it was very powerful, especially for addiction, but also just for really changing people's lives. And I kind of respected it from afar, but it took me a while to become ready to do this medicine and to receive the call to do this medicine. So once all of that happened and I, you know, very synchronistically connected with Levi and learned about Iboga Wellness Center and I, you know, I bought my flight and I had the dates, the preparation was really more mental for me. And that's because I was pretty horrified of sitting with Iboga. And for me, the call felt like feeling terrified, but wanting to have the experience regardless of how terrified I was. So it was like the desire to have the experience with this medicine was greater than the fear of it. And to me, that's how I know that I'm being called to a medicine. The curiosity is greater than the fear. So the fear was obviously still there. Um, you know, Iboga is referred to as the Mount Everest of psychedelics. I read that in the book, Iboga, The Root of All Healing. Uh, it's in the first sentence, and I would totally agree that Iboga is the Mount Everest of psychedelics. So I was kind of bracing myself for this experience and just like mentally preparing for whatever comes up and being ready for whatever comes up and also mentally preparing both myself and my family and those closest to me for like, hey, I might come out of this experience a completely different person than who I am right now. And I'm ready for that. I had to come to a place of being ready for that. And I also had to tell like my family, my parents, like, you know, this is a really big deal. And I'm doing this for myself so that I can have a even better life. And, you know, I need your support here. I need you to know that I might come back very different. I do believe it's going to be for the better, but I need you to be prepared for that. So that was mostly what the preparation was. Um, the really nice thing about Iboga is that no dietary preparation needs to take place. So you can kind of continue eating as you do. I eat generally good foods for me. So that was fine. Um, but it's always nice to, you know, mind the processed foods and all of that. Um, other than that, it was really about getting clear on intentions, really thinking about what do I want in my life? What remains unhealed? After 32 sits with ayahuasca, I have made incredible progress, especially in regards to healing my heart, which you would have heard in the episode before this, the story about that. Um, but there's still, you know, some things that I feel like ayahuasca hasn't helped me with. And my intention was to really take take that with me to Iboga. So made a list of all the all the things that I want to bring into my life and I made a list of all the important people and events in my life made a list of the things I want to release and the things I want to call in and Levi was really there every step of the way uh, from the very beginning to support me to answer my questions you know he sends out writing exercises for you to work on um, and a lot of information for how to prepare so that's kind of how it all started and I do want to say that I was in a really good place going into this experience after my ayahuasca healing in September. So that happened mid-September. I had this experience about five, six weeks later. And yeah, I was in a pretty good place to the point where I was like, 
I don't know if I really need this right now, but I know that I have been called and that I meant to do this. So, you know, let's go in and see what we can get from this. So that was the preparation. And I'm going to jump to kind of like the arrival to Iboga Wellness Center. So I arrived in Costa Rica a day and a half before I was meant to go to Iboga Wellness. And I really recommend that because it kind of lets you sink into Costa Rica. It's completely different than North America. And it was nice to just like spend some time there before heading over. Um, You know, Levi had someone pick me up from where I was staying near the airport. And we took a four hour beautiful drive through the mountains. My driver was amazing. He didn't speak English, but we, uh, we were chatting with each other the whole time with Google Translate and just had some really good laughs. And um, yeah, as soon as I got to the property, I I was coming from a city environment. As soon as I got to the property, it was just so beautiful. So the property is in the mountains, in the countryside, in the village, and it's all Costa Rican people. It really is like the real Costa Rica. And yeah, it's in the country and their plot of land is actually situated on the very end of the road. So they have this like in incredible view of the mountains um, that just as soon as I got there I just felt so much more at peace so much more at ease and like the sounds of the birds and the views it just really really soothed me and I met Levi was automatically at ease I met his wife who was like pretty sure (laughs) the nicest friendliest happiest woman I've ever met Um, They have a beautiful daughter who I got to spend some time with and played with. And, you know, we really got along and there was amazing food waiting for me upon arrival. And I really just got to kind of arrive a day before all the other guests and really sink into the property. And Levi gave me a tour of the land and of all the you know, Iboga trees that he's planting on the land. So one thing I really love about Iboga Wellness and Levi is that he is planting, I know, like, I think there's like a hundred or hundreds of trees already planted on the property. And then he has um, some that are waiting to be planted on another piece of property that he has. And he's really just committing his life to this medicine and making sure that anyone who wants to experience this medicine can do so in a way that doesn't deplete the supply from Africa. So really, really love that. And I got to see, you know, his whole process with that, which was really special. The next day I woke up around 530 with the sun. I went to bed so early. I already felt like my nervous system had been reset. I had an incredible sleep and I was already just like so, so settled in and really in tune with the land. Like you kind of just like snap into it when you arrive there and Yeah, the rest of the crew arrived. So there was um, four helpers that arrived and six other guests. So there was seven guests in total. That's the maximum amount of people that they have. I love that they have very small groups. And yeah, the first day was all about having an orientation. So that evening we had a traditional Bwiti fire ceremony. So in the Bwiti the wisdom that is shared is done orally around the fire. So they have an oral tradition of sharing wisdom. You can't find Bwiti wisdom in books. It's shared orally 
on the fire. So the fire is a very, very important aspect of the Bwiti. Um, so the Bwiti tradition, uh, just a quick note about that, it is not a religion. It's a tradition that came from Iboga. And Iboga and the Bwiti have been around for... Uh, I don't even know how long, but very long, very long. Some people think that it's been around longer than ayahuasca even. Um, and the story of how Iboga was kind of discovered is a very beautiful one. I might get Levi to share that with you guys on the um, interview that I'm going to do with him. But yeah, so we kind of started becoming introduced to the Buiti traditions and the, you know, the the way of living very simply and I was immediately just so intrigued and drawn and in resonance with the teachings of the Bui team so we also got a rundown of the week ahead at the fire ceremony after the orientation I, I really felt like prepared for the medicine um there was like a lot more fear present and then after kind of like getting a layout of the week ahead how everything was going to go what to expect uh, I really just like my soul felt soothed and I felt really ready for the experience and I also felt like it was safe and comfortable for me to ask for anything at all that I needed during the week and I just felt so taken care of and held and you know, Levi really communicated that this week was for us, for our healing, and that they were there to take care of all and any of our needs so that we could focus in on our healing. And just, I just really, really felt that. So like I said, there was four helpers, two women, two men. One was a local Costa Rican guy. There was two people in the kitchen preparing incredible food for us a number of uh, people helping m maintain the land and clean the home. The home was very clean and cleaned every single day. Th there was just like really this environment of like, wow, I'm really taken care of and it is safe for me to focus only on myself this week. So that was kind of the introduction and just that environment really took away a lot of my fears. So that was day one, got to meet everyone. Uh, day two is ceremony day. So on ceremony day, we all got to meet for 30 minutes with Levi and his team. So again, you know, there was a fire present um, or a, a candle <laughs> representing the fire. And we got to meet with, with the team individually, one by one, and share our intentions, share our stories with the group and that was really powerful because I kind of knew that during the ceremony and during this entire week, everyone here knows where I'm at and what I'm going through and they can meet me exactly where I am. So that was a really special part of the process and also just another layer of like, I feel safe, I feel taken care of. And they just offered some very gentle light guidance, but um, it was just important to solidify those intentions of of uh, being there. And I guess I'll share my intentions with you guys. Um, so like I said, I had done about 32 <laughs> sits with ayahuasca. So I think somewhere around there, I kind of keep track in my journal. Even though ayahuasca has given me a lot, uh, I felt like there was still some stuff that I felt very stuck with. So my really big intention for Iboga was to heal my relationship with men, the masculine, my dad, and my brother. 
this was really big for me because I just think I haven't had a very healthy or trusting relationship with men in my life. And even before arriving to Iboga Wellness, I knew that, um, you know, Levi being a man holding space for me was going to be very significant. And, you know, there was James and Carlos as well who were holding space for me. And I honestly have never worked with a man before in this way. I've never had a male therapist, coach, uh, ceremony facilitator. I've just always been drawn to women because I have a really hard time trusting men. So I knew that this was like a divine part of the process for me. And so that was intention number one. Intention number two was I wanted some direction on my purpose, you know, my legacy with my career, um, where I'm going with modern psychedelics as a coach and as someone who is pretty devoted to the medicine path. I really was looking for some some clarity around that, some direction and purpose for that. And then another intention I had was I wanted closure on past romantic relationships and friendships that have been uh, that have ended. I have or past tense. I have really struggled with abandonment my whole life, or what I perceived to have been abandonment. So, yeah, I, I, I was looking for some closure around that. Um, I also this one feels very vulnerable to share <laughs> because I think it's still in a process of healing and development, but I really wanted to make peace with my physical appearance and start seeing myself as beautiful. This is something that I continue to struggle with at the age of 31. I'm really, really hard on myself about, you know, the way that I look and, you know, the way that my face looks and just not feeling beautiful. So yeah, that, that was another big one for me. So going into Iboga, I was like, <laughs> I'm not expecting any miracles here. Like I'm fully expecting, um, whatever may come, but I, if I make, I told myself like, if I make any progress in any one of these areas, I think that will be a successful experience for me. So it was kind of also, you know, I had my intentions, but I was also open to whatever may happen. <laughs> so yeah, I got to share those with everyone. And then you know, that even we kind of had the day to be by ourselves. There was a lot of nerves in the environment and everyone was kind of nervous. It was nice because we had two guys who were present and they had both been to Ibogo Wellness previously. So that was always, that was like really comforting knowing that people come back. <laughs> so this was also the day that I was able to get an EKG scan. There was a doctor that came on site and he did EKGs for all of us. So that's something really, really important about doing Iboga is that people with heart problems uh, cannot have this medicine. Um, and it's very important to get your heart checked before. And it was really nice that we were able to do that right on site there. So by the time night fell, um, you know, the, the guys were preparing the fire for the ceremony and ceremony was at 8.30 so <laughs> we went down. I'm just laughing because I was so, so nervous. Um, I think anytime I do a new psychedelic or medicine, like it, it's really nerve wracking because you just don't know what to expect. So yeah, I was really nervous, but I went down and the fire was beautiful. And we kind of all sat around the fire. So in the Buiti, the Iboga ceremonies are, they take place at the fire. 
And um, there was some more, you know, sharing about the Bwiti wisdom around the fire. And eventually, you know, Levi came around and um, I don't know what they refer to it as to it in the Bwiti, but basically like smudged us, um, did some smoke medicine with us and using the traditional, I don't know what the herbs were, but using the traditional uh, Bwiti herbs to smudge us. Um, and then he came around with the medicine and the way that the medicine is administered. So for those of you who don't know, Iboga is a root bark. It is a, a bush, like a tree that grows in central West Africa in Gabon and uh, surrounding areas. And it's actually considered a national treasure in Gabon. Um, it's been it's been kind of dubbed as a national treasure of the country. So Iboga is, yeah, this like small bush tree thing. And the medicine is actually the root bark of it. So that is taken and either eaten like fresh. If you're in Gabon, they kind of give it to you fresh, I believe. And then otherwise it's dried into like a, a, a dried powder and then they kind of grind it up. So Levi came around with the medicine and uh, with a spoon spooned it into our mouth so we had some water in our mouth and he would put the medicine in and we would kind of swallow it with the water and then the helpers were nice enough to give us some honey and kombucha after which was really nice because the medicine tastes not that great it wasn't that bad the the first serving I had of it but the second ceremony it was like significantly more difficult to take down and I almost almost puked it right up um but I digress so that's kind of how it starts um and then we kind of all receive the medicine and then a few more capsules so we receive the medicine by spoon and then any additional dosing is given through capsules because the medicine is just like I think this is kind of a <laughs> way to kind of make the experience more comfortable for us Westerners, but they give it in capsules for the rest of the night. So he came around and gave us some capsules and kind of explained that we would all be receiving a flood dose. We were all receiving pretty big doses. I think by the end of the night, I had consumed about 20 to 25 grams, including the total alkaloids. So the total alkaloids are a product of separating the ibogaine and other alkaloids from the non-psychoactive materials in the root bark. Um, and it's very high concentrations of ibogaine, which is one of the main psychoactive alkaloids in iboga. Um, so one capsule was equivalent to about five to six grams of the root bark. So yeah, in total, I kind of did the math. I think I consumed about 20 to 25 grams including the the TAs. So yeah, there was a lot of medicine inside of me. And yeah, we kind of just sat by the fire. And once people felt the medicine coming on, you would just put your hand up and a helper would come and help you walk to your mat. Some people had already started purging. The effect as it came on was very strong and very dizzying. Um, definitely need help and assistance to walk. <laughs> like real bad. And yeah, then the journey began and it was kind of just like, okay, let's strap in because there's no going back now. So yeah, when I felt the medicine coming on, I, I uh, went to my mat inside. Yeah, then it just began and I felt it coming on very, very strong. And Levi came to give me more medicine and 
um, I said, I, it just feels very dizzying. And he was like, yeah, that's normal. And I kind of, yeah, laid there and felt pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> it, it kind of feels in the physical body like ayahuasca, like kind of that like nauseating, dizzying feeling. It wasn't necessarily very pleasant. But eventually Levi came around um, and he did actually, well, what happened before that was I saw a very disturbing image of me with someone. I'm not going to share it because it's just personal, but it was very disturbing. And basically I didn't know if this was like a real memory or not. So I called Levi over and I was like, Levi, I just saw this like very horrific vision. Um, I don't know if it's real or not. And I, I basically asked him like, is, is it real? Is it not real? And he was like, well, there's a chance that it was a vision, you know, created by the subconscious mind and that it wasn't a real memory. And looking back on it, I think that is the case because, um, later on, I think the third eye kind of opened up even more. So yeah, I think, I think this was something created in my mind, but I'm not totally sure. Um, but I was just really uncomfortable at this point and kind of just like, fuck, okay, we're, we're doing this. We're in this. It was very strong. I would say like the effect felt like five to 10 times stronger than ayahuasca. Um, mind you guys, I think that the ayahuasca that I've been drinking over the years is like a milder version of the brew, but yeah, for me, it was like five to 10 times stronger of the feeling. So then Levi, yeah, after I told him that I saw this horrific image, he was just, yeah, really kind and supportive. He's just like very gentle. He's very gentle. Like I feel like he, he really believes that we can make it through these hard moments. But then in that moment where I really was struggling, he was there to comfort me and be there for me. And just like his presence just soothed me <laughs> at that time. And he said, you know, I will come back soon and do some work with you. So he came back shortly after with um he came back shortly after with pygmy powder which is powder that is created by the pygmy tribe um and it's a blend of like 50 herbs or something like that red powder that is placed on the third eye in order to help open up the third eye so he came around with the pygmy powder and yeah just helped me to open up my third eye he kind of said like you know, look through your third eye. And I kind of went like, oh, wow, I've never done that before. Like I've never been able to see through my third eye. Um, I didn't even know I could do that. So he kind of activated that and took me through a guided journey um, or a, you know, visualization maybe is a better word. But I don't even know if I would call it a visualization because it just felt so real. Um, but yeah, he was kind of said, you know, look through your third eye, look up at the ceiling and then like, holy fuck, I saw the ceiling. And then he said, look through the ceiling and you'll see the night sky. And then holy fuck, I saw the night sky. <laughs> it's just wild. And then, yeah, he basically said like, look up and jump up and go to the moon and <laughs> I did it and it was crazy and I went to the moon. <laughs> um, well, actually before that, he was like, okay, so now that now that I was like kind of like up in space, he was like, okay, if you look down at your feet, you'll see the earth. And I like literally like physically looked down with my head and I saw the earth and I kind of went like, 
oh my God, <laughs> it's kind of shocking. Like I haven't really ever had a psychedelic experience like this where I was out of my body. Um, it's like the universe just opened up through my third eye. It was completely wild to me. And I was like, again, okay, strapping in, away we go. Um, and then, you know, he guided me to the moon and then I had this like really, um, I also had like my soul version of myself was with me. Um, <clears throat> actually, yeah, before, oh, being not a good storyteller before we went to the moon, I did a soul retrieval visualization that Levi guided me through. And, you know, I was in my childhood home and saw myself as a baby and I kind of like picked her up and, you know, nurtured her and, gave her a lot of love and then I found my soul and you know I, I kind of took her with me for the the rest of my journey and then another really kind of vivid moment it was really vivid like I I was like in the bedroom and I could see like all the details that were on I had like this bed that had a headrest behind it with with shelves and I could like see all the details of the things that were like on the shelves of the bed. And I mean, yeah, I haven't thought about this bed in a very long time. So that was pretty crazy. And then I went into like, yeah, Levi guided me to go into the bathroom and to, to look in the mirror. And he was like, whose reflection do you see? And in my mind, I was like, it's probably going to be my reflection. Like who else's would it be? But I actually saw my mother, which was kind of wild. Um, so that was kind of the first part of the journey. And then, yeah, I took my soul with me and then we did the other visualization where I went to the moon. Um, and I kind of had like this team with me and, oh, another part that I forgot to mention was, um, during the orientate, not the orientation during the intention sharing, um, when I was with Levi and all the other helpers, I saw this hummingbird behind Teresa, who was one of the beautiful helpers. And as I was talking to her, there was this hummingbird beside, behind her and something kind of clicked in my head that was like, take note of that hummingbird. Like it felt very significant. And I told her like, oh, I just saw a hummingbird behind you. And yeah, I'm noting it. I don't know why, but I'm noting it. And the hummingbird was in my journey with me. <laughs> so I had this like little team. There was like me and then my soul version of me. And then my hummingbird. So I kind of had this like team and we were going to the moon together. And there was this really funny moment, like the first time I tried to go to the moon where I landed on like this really hard white rock. And I was like, this isn't the moon. <laughs> this is a random big white rock in space. This can't be the moon. And then I was like, let's, there's the moon. Let's, let's go guys. And yeah, it was very like, adventurous and just so like vivid and real and kind of playful and funny but yeah that was kind of that was kind of like the first trip to space and the moon and then throughout the rest of the journey it was honestly so intense you guys like fuck I've never had such intense experiences with psychedelics ever like this was <laughs> I felt like I was doing psychedelics for the first time like it was it was so much like the third eye was just so incredibly activated. And then at one point in the night, it was just like, it was too much for me. And I called uh, Sonia over who I had spent like quite some time chatting with during the day. So I felt very like, you know, uh, connected with her. And I was like, 
I want Sonia. <laughs> I want to talk to her. There was like two helpers present. And I was like, I really want to talk to her. So I called her over and I was like, Sonia, I'm really scared. Um, this is too much. I wasn't prepared for this. Like this is I'm way too in over my head here. Like I, I'm really, really scared. And this was like after I had kind of been to space and the moon and I was kind of just like, what the fuck is going on? This is crazy. <laughs> And I was like, Sonia, I just, I really need you to just hold my hand for a second. Like, I feel kind of pathetic. Like, <laughs> I've had so many experiences with psychedelics. And again and again, they just, they continue to humble you. Um, but I was like, I just need you to hold my hand. And she was like, yeah, of course. And like, she kind of just like held my hand. And I'm pretty sure, I, <laughs> Sonia, if you're listening, I'm sorry if I hurt you. Because I think I was holding on pretty tight. Um, but I just like needed someone's presence and just someone to just like remind me of Earth and like the reality that is there outside of this Evoga trip. Um, and yeah, she just held my hand and she really, really helped me. And she said that, you know, Evoga always wins. And that helped me so much. It really put into perspective, like, oh yeah, like I'm doing this for a reason. There's a reason I'm here. Um, and I trust this medicine and I trust that whatever is happening is what's meant to be happening. So that, that really helped me. And I, I kept going back to that. Iboga always wins. Iboga always wins. And uh, yeah, that really, really helped me. So once I kind of like was ready to go back to space, <laughs> I spent the rest of the night going back and forth from space. And it was, it was really hectic. Um, I wouldn't say it was an enjoyable experience. Like it was cool to be in space and like to see the earth from that perspective. But it was just really, really, really hectic. And Levi came by an, a second time and did another visualization for me. And this one was about like, you know, I was in, in the, on the moon and he had me kind of call my ancestors in and have everyone come for like a family meeting, basically. And I was like, OK, great. This is great. Like, I really want to talk to my ancestors and see, you know, where these problems with the family started, where these what the root of some of these really, really challenging things that my family deals with uh, are coming from. I was like so excited to talk to my ancestors and then we called them in and they came and it was kind of like, yeah, it was kind of like a family meeting where like they were like kind of like sitting in chairs and I didn't recognize too many of them. I recognized some of them. There was some alive, some, you know, passed away um, and I really tried to talk to them and connect with them, but it was tough and I felt like no one wanted to talk to me and yeah, I had some insights around like how basically I've kind of discarded my ancestors and my lineage and my culture and one of the ways that I did that was like, yeah, when I was very young, I really resented not being Canadian. I really resented being this like weird foreign girl with weird lunches who didn't speak English as well as all the other kids and who pronounced things really weirdly and I, I got made fun of a lot for that when I was younger and I was always really made to feel as an outsider and as someone who didn't belong so the way that I internalized that was like yeah I, I just I resented being Bosnian I resented being born in Bosnia and you know speaking a different language and just being different. So 
one of the ways that that materialized was that like with my name. <laughs> so my name, like if you pronounce it in Bosnian, it's Lana, Lana Pribic. And I remember like people used to make fun of like Pribic, oh, like pre-bitch, like the word bitch, isn't it? Like so dumb, stupid children bullies. But yeah, like people would make fun of my name. So I would always go by Lana. And I think that I liked being called Lana because it sounded more, you know, Americanized and it sounded far from what it's pronounced in my lineage. And I think that was kind of my way of trying to make space <laughs> between me and my culture. So I always went by Lana instead of Lana or Lana, which is kind of closer. And yeah, it kind of like became clear to me that I've kind of discarded my lineage and my roots. And I thought that maybe they didn't want to speak to me because I don't know, like I, I didn't respect them or my roots before before in life. So yeah, that was kind of like a sad moment. Um, and basically I spent the rest of the night flying back and forth from earth and space. And like, it was really cool. Cause every time I like looked up at the night sky, there was this, like the exact same visual. It was like the night sky, but then like all these, like kind of, it was kind of like a galaxy, like Milky way that kind of like parted and opened up. And I saw the same scene every time that I was like, Hey, I want to go back to space. Um, yeah, it was like a portal or something. I don't know. But I basically spent like the whole night flying back and forth from earth to space. And when I told this to Levi and Teresa, they were like, wow, that's, that's pretty crazy. Like we haven't like, we haven't really heard of that happening before. But the reason that was happening was because my soul version of me was like running away from me all night. And it wasn't because she like was mad at me or didn't want to be with me. It was because she was such a free spirit that she just kept wanting to go off and like have fun. So at one point I was getting so annoyed with her because I was just like watching her like fly around space and like just have fun and go off. And I was like, what are you doing? Like we have work to do. We have to go talk to the ancestors and like get to the root of these problems. And you know, like I was just like getting kind of annoyed of her. And then she kept like, she was so like funny and free and like childlike and she kept like changing outfits and at one point when like she came back she like came back in this like really cool like rocket rocket girl outfit with like these really cool like space boots and she had like this thing on her back that like helped her fly and yeah she was kind of just like zooming around and having fun and just like yeah she really just wanted to have fun like the soul version of me was kind of distracting and like every time I went to go try to connect with my ancestors yeah she would kind of like distract me and like go back to earth and I would have to like go get her or you know yeah it was just it was all kind of messy and then I another thing I kind of experienced was um this is really common and I've had it with ayahuasca as well but Levi said it's very common with iboga is like the thoughts are kind of hard to follow and this is because the iboga is actually just cleansing and resetting your mind. Um, so there was times when, yeah, it just got really intense and exhausting trying to just like follow the thoughts. And there's like so much information. And I honestly, I can't even remember a lot of it, but I just remember it feeling really exhausting and I wanted it to stop. So yeah, that was kind of my first ceremony. Like I was flying back and forth from space. There was lots of thoughts. 
um, I went to the bathroom a few times. And the one time that um, James took me to the bathroom, I, yeah, I, I absolutely could not walk. Like I was absolutely comatose. Each step was really difficult and you really needed someone beside you to like help you walk. Um, but I went into the bathroom and just like the bathroom had like this candle lit in it and just like the process of going to the bathroom I came out and I was like James that was the trippiest experience I've ever had it was just really interesting (laughs) thankfully they like covered the mirror so we couldn't look in the mirror but it was getting to the point where I was like okay I just I need this night to end like I can't do this anymore this is too much my mind's racing everywhere and at one point I just like gave up on trying to connect with my ancestors. I was like, I'm going to have to try next ceremony because it's just, it's not working. No one's talking to me. But I did actually see my grandmother who passed away about 10 years ago. She's the only grandparent that I have memories of. Um, she's my mom's mother, my Micah. And I saw her and she she came through and she was really happy and she looked exactly the same and she was just really happy to see me and I gave her a big hug and like it felt real and I just told her like you know mom misses you so much and she loves you so much and we didn't even really say anything to each other it was just this kind of like the message was kind of just like everything is okay and everything is going to be okay um so yeah that was that was really nice and then I actually saw um one of my best friends that I lost like 10 years ago she didn't die but we our our friendship kind of ended and that took me a couple years to get over and it was really really hard and you know I still think about her sometimes um but I saw her she came through and when I saw her it was like yeah it was so real because I felt that feeling of excitement when I used to see her because she lived in New York and I lived in Toronto so we would like visit each other sometimes and every time we got to see each other in person there was this like feeling of love and happiness that I got when I saw her and yeah, it was just in space and she just like came running at me and she called my name by my nickname and yeah, we hugged and it was really beautiful because I never got closure from that friendship ending and we had a really nice moment together and I think it it brought a lot of peace and, and closure to me to have that experience. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was kind of the first ceremony. And I, I got to a point where I was like, I need this to be over. I can't do this anymore. And I kind of turned on my mat to look out the window and the sky was starting to look lighter. And I was like, Oh, thank God the sun is coming up. Like I just, I can't be here anymore. So I called over one of the guys and I was like, can you please take me to the fire? I just, I really want to be in nature right now. I was barefoot and they walked me to the fire and just feeling the grass on my feet was so grounding and so good. And then it was really hard to walk. And then there's some guys by the fire and they were kind of chatting. And I was like, I can't do that. I can't be around people or other people's energies or talking right now. So I kind of like stood, like sat further back until they dispersed. And at this point I was like wrecked. (laughs) I was absolutely wrecked. I was like, what the F just happened? What was that? Like I was, I felt completely destabilized. I was just like, I just spent the whole night in space. What the heck? Like I was just like in shock and I wasn't good and I didn't feel like 
that was a good experience. Like I wasn't like, wow, that was a great experience. I, I was, I was not feeling great. I was completely in the medicine and yeah, then two of the guys went upstairs and the helper started bringing everyone upstairs to their rooms and the, the ceremony ended and um, there was just one other guy by the fire. So I went and sat by the fire and then he started like talking to me and I was like, I'm sorry, but I just like, I, I can't really function right now. So I'm, I'm just not available for a conversation. <laughs> so we kind of just sat by the fire and then he like brought me a flower and I was like oh thank you so much for like this actually just was the best thing that happened to me all night like it really it really brightened my mood to receive this flower gift from him um and I just like held on to it for the rest of the time at the fire and then eventually he left as well and the helpers kind of kept checking on me so everyone was in their rooms and I was like I can't go to my room right now like I can't be alone in my room right now that sounds horrific and I was starting to feel like oh my god like it's probably like 5 or 6 a.m right now this medicine is gonna keep going for another 12 hours like fuck (laughs) I can't do this for another 12 hours so I started like feeling a little scared in my mind and I was just sitting at the fire and staring at the fire and then the most incredible thing started happening you guys oh my god so this is the point where like it went from the most challenging thick experience of my life into the most beautiful experience of my life. (laughs) So like just some background information. So Iboga lasts for about 24 to 30 hours and it's pretty strong the entire time. So we were kind of told during the orientation, like on the discovery day, so we're in day three now, the morning after the ceremony, we're in day three of the retreat. The discovery day is a time for each participant to spend time alone in their room or in nature to be with the medicine the helpers come in and check in on you they're there if you need to talk but it's really a time for you to spend with yourself and I I was terrified of the discovery day because I like from my use of like recreational psychedelics I hate being alone on them Um, Not that this was recreational, but I I, I just really had a lot of fear of it. But the discovery day ended up being like the best day of my life. (laughs) So I'm really excited to tell the next part of the story because it was so beautiful and I had so many insights come through. And, you know, Levi was talking about how Iboga is a truth serum and Iboga helps you connect to the truth. And when you connect to the truth, you know that it's the truth because you don't have to question it. And the truth is very clear and direct. And that kind of sounded ambiguous to me. But I was actually able to connect with this voice of truth uh, during my experience. And I like fully understood what he meant by that. As I said, I was just staring at the fire kind of like in a in a trance. Um, The the fire is very captivating to me. I love watching the fire and I was totally present to the fire in the Bwiti. They teach you to engage in the present moment through your six senses, including your intuition Um, and um you know, Levi and James were really helping us to use our vision and our hearing to connect to the present. So that's exactly what I was doing. I was listening to the sounds of the birds and watching the fire. And then you guys, all of the sudden, the most beautiful open eye visuals of my life started. So I was watching the fire and I was watching the smoke come up. And then all of the sudden, the smoke started turning into these like smoke particles, like little dots. 
And then the smoke particles were like weaving together in these like really beautiful shapes. Like it was kind of like, um, like wave functions, I guess, if you think of like mathematics, it like looked like these wave functions, but they were just like dancing for me. And then eventually the wave functions would like separate off into their own units and each unit was like a unit of smoke particles. And then each unit would either turn into like a bubble of smoke particles that would like float around and hang out on earth and go wherever it was needed. And then some of them turned into these like UFO like discs that I watched fly up and get sent up all the way. Like I watched it go all the way up until I couldn't see it anymore. And it was like sent back to the source. And I was just watching this with, with my jaw dropped. I just, I could not believe what I was seeing. It was so beautiful. And then I was like, wow, okay. Okay. This is different than the close-eyed visuals. And then I saw this tiger in the sky. It was this beautiful, just really bright, vibrant tiger. And he kind of just like jumped across the sky. And that was so beautiful. So I was starting to be like, oh, wow, this medicine's actually very beautiful. And my experience started to change drastically from, you know, terror and fear into this like childlike wonder and awe. I was in awe of what I was seeing. They were the most beautiful visuals. So yeah, I just sat out there looking at the sky, seeing all these visuals and watching the smoke in just complete awe. I must have sat out there for like an hour or two. Yeah, everyone else was in their rooms and I, I finally felt like, okay, this isn't so bad. I can do this. I can go to my room now. I was still having a lot of trouble walking. <laughs> like, you guys, this medicine is fucking strong. And uh, yeah, Carlos helped me up the stairs. And then as soon, I had not purged yet. So throughout the night, I felt people, I heard people throwing up and I was like, oh, I guess I got lucky and I'm not going to throw up. Awesome. Um, and then, yeah, Carlos helped me walk up the stairs and... I just felt my body be like, oh, that was way too much for me. Um, like it was too much motion. I, I had to use too much energy to go up. And as soon as we got to the top of the stairs, I felt the vomit coming up and we didn't bring my bucket. So I kind of like quote unquote ran, which was like more of a slow walk because I couldn't really handle it. But I got to my room as fast as I could and just like threw myself on the ground in front of the garbage can and you know I purged into the garbage and my hair was down and uh, Carlos had to like help me and hold my hair up and like tie my hair up for me and it was just oh it was I even missed a little bit so yeah it was just it was a little messy but yeah I puked and then I didn't feel good again so I just like laid down with my eye mask on the bed and kind of just like rested I felt pretty sick so I just rested um, maybe for like, I don't know. The thing with Iboga is that time is so not real. You have no sense of time. You're like, I don't know if that was 10 minutes or if it was two hours. You just, you don't have the ability to perceive the passage of time. So I laid down for a period of time and then the sick feeling kind of started going away and the insights started coming through, you guys. Oh, my God. So this voice of truth started coming to me. And it was so clear, so direct, so gentle. 
And I remembered some of the insights that I got last night. One of them was like showing me how mean the voice in my mind was. Like I could hear back the voice in my head, the way that I speak to myself. And I was like, wow, I'm so fucking mean to myself. Like, why do I speak to myself in that way? Yeah, this was a really big one. And at this point I sat up and actually started crying quite a lot because I remembered that the medicine was showing me that my entire life I've hated the shit out of my body. And I'm talking about like every single part of my body. Like I I think there's something wrong with everything from my toes to my feet, to my ankles, to my calves, to my knees, to my thighs, to my to my bum, to my stomach, to my breasts, to my shoulders, to my arms, to my fingers, to my fingernails, to like every single part of my body. I have spent my entire life being like, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. And then I just started crying because I'm getting emotional right now, but I just started crying because I'm like, I cannot believe that I have been living my life this way forever. Like, I cannot believe how much I have hated my body my entire life um sorry guys I'm crying (laughs) it was just like it was a really intense moment because I was like literally at like my teeth my ears my eyebrows my like everything I hate everything in my body there's not a part of me that I love and I was like I can't go on like this this is no way to live I, I need to love my body I want to love my body I do love my body So that was like the first really big breakthrough. Um, So at this point, the chaos in the mind from the ceremony completely cleared. I think after I purged, it helped clear that. And all of a sudden I had access to this voice in my head that was just truth. It was simple. It was clear. And I didn't have to question it. I just knew that it was truth. Um, and I was like, wow, okay, now I understand what Levi and th- they were all talking about with like this, this truth that you can access on Iboga. And then I also realized that my entire life, every decision that I've ever made has been based on someone else. And that <laughs> I look at my life, you know, I took inventory of my life and the decisions I make and the things I invite in and the goals I have and the things I do. And it was like, everything you've ever done has been based on trying to be like someone else. And that led me to be like, who are you? What do you want? Right? Like it's time to start living for you. It's time to start figuring out what you want. What do you want? That was really big. Um, Another thing was like, everything's too much, everything's too big, everything's too loud, and everything needs to just come down a lot. Everything needs to be toned down by like 90% the way that I talk, the way that I dress, the way that I keep my space, the, you know, perspectives that I have, the knowledge that I seek out. It just, all of it is too much. It's all too much. And it really comes from this, this like, yeah, trying to be like other people, but also from this like place of inadequacy and wanting to like fill space for the sake of being loud. (laughs) 
yeah, that was, that was really, really clear um, to me. It's all just too much and everything needs to be simplified. And I, I was trying to find like examples in my life where it wasn't the case. And I couldn't find any examples where it wasn't too much or it wasn't too loud or it wasn't too big. So yeah, that was, that was a big one. Yeah. And at this point I was just like, I was really crying because I was like in awe of the mental space that I was in. And I was like in awe of these insights that I was having and how, you know, they're I'm starting to cry again. <laughs> like you guys, this was really a life-changing experience. Like I was just like in awe of how simple some of these insights were and at like how I couldn't see them before. And there they were in front of me and I could see them so clearly. So at this point, I was just staring out into the mountains and the sky and the trees and the birds. And again, practicing that presence with the eyes and the ears and, you know, seeing some visuals here and there. And the visuals were not scary at all. And they were very gentle and very kind and very beautiful. They weren't overwhelming, but I just started crying. And I was like, I need to capture these insights like I need to capture this mental space that I'm in because I don't want to forget any of this. So I actually took out my journal and I started writing down all of my insights. And I actually have like one, two, three, four. I have like four pages of notes that I took with my really, really messy handwriting, but it felt just really important for me to capture this. So um, I'm going to read some of these to you guys because I think they're, I think they're really good. And I want to kind of like give you an idea of what the Iboga mindset is like. Um, I'm not going to read all of them because some of them are definitely personal, but yeah, I'll read you kind of like some of them so you can see like what this voice of truth sounded like. It's just very simple, clear and direct. So the first thing I wrote is the answer is nature. Um, and I'll expand on that a little bit. It was kind of like, <laughs> stop seeking, stop looking for answers outside of yourself. If you have questions, nature has the answers. And you are nature. So all of the answers within nature are also within you because it's one and the same. And that's that's it. You don't need to continue seeking these spiritual paths. Um, it's just nature, the earth. That's all. That's all it is. Um, and this just kept solidifying for me and getting more and more intense as I spent the rest of the day, like actually communing with nature. So the second thing I wrote is Lana is out. Lana is in. <laughs> so I'm going by Lana from now on uh, because it's closer to what my name actually is. <sighs> I wrote Iboga, hefty medicine, <laughs> hefty medicine. Space was a bit boring. Earth is where it's at. <laughs> this land and space is very special. Tone it down. All of it. It's all too much. Too big. I can already see how life-changing this is. There is a lot of ugly inside of me that I've been holding on to for dear life. Nature created this planet. Science is the study of nature. It is not nature. Afternoon, question mark, the next day. Open eye visuals. <laughs> I don't need to be this big, strong workout girl. 
I just need to be active and healthy. Stop smoking, start walking. This I was capturing. Uh, Levi did a process with me where he kind of asked questions and then I would repeat the questions and then I would get an answer like that. This was in the ceremony. And one of the questions he asked was, what is the one thing I need to stop doing? Iboga told me smoking cannabis. So kind of sad about this, but I will definitely try it out and see if and how my life changes. Um, and then what's the one thing I should start doing? Walking. The answer is very, very simple, clear, direct, and instantaneous. Um, how can I become more beautiful? Smile more. Happiness is beautiful. Joy is beautiful. Peace is beautiful. All these transformations are almost too much to handle. Crying and overwhelmed. Generosity is beautiful. <laughs> and then I wrote, Buitiful. <laughs> I thought that was really clever. Buitiful. This is profound. I can see the truth now. I saw a tiger in the sky. It was brilliant. I know what questions to ask myself. This was a big one. So keep something between just you and your soul. This is how the relationship grows stronger over time. You've neglected her in this way by airing out your dirty laundry to anyone who will listen. This just pushed her away because instead of, instead of, sharing these insights with her, you've shared them with everyone else. Ibogaine half-life is 30 hours. It wants to stay with you. <laughs> Just really connecting to the medicine here. Nature is sense. It's all too much, too big everywhere in my life. Again with this, everything will be toned down drastically. This really feels like it. I had to walk the ayahuasca path to get to the iboga path. Wisdom. The wise are dominant. Wisdom is a sacred currency. I just saw Terrence McKenna in the clouds and he winked. <laughs> Problems are to be solved quickly and efficiently. Do what feels right. My writing is messy because my nervous system is fried. Brooke Mead, my elementary school, taught me to be the best. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to win student of the year, the golden shoe award, whatever that was. This is why I exaggerate everything. This is why I'm so loud to let people know that I'm the best. I got lost in ayahuasca and it confused me. Iboga showed me the direct clear path. Medicine holds space that humans can't. I allow things to become my life way too often. Life is your whole life. Try yoga again. You loved your body when you were doing it. This one wasn't about him. This one was about me. Humans are innately sovereign, but people give up their power. We're starting to remember how our ancestors lived and their ancient wisdom. What the fuck happened? The plants are here to help us remember. So yeah, I wanted to share that with you guys because I think that this like access to the voice of truth is something very, very unique to Iboga. And I'm so happy that I wrote all those things down because it's so nice to go back and read it. Um, and there's just so much good stuff in there. So yeah, after that, I was just like having the best day of my life and just like looking at the view and like enjoying these amazing insights and really like connecting to my soul and just feeling so present. It was truly just so, so beautiful. Um, but eventually I, I felt strong enough to walk on my own and I went out, I was walking very slowly, but I went out and just sat outside and, you know, enjoyed the view and I took a shower and then I spoke to Teresa. I was really starting to kind of like 
come out of my psychedelic trance and able to like communicate with people. So I spoke to her and um, she was so supportive and loving. And I told her about my whole experience and all the insights I was having. And she was just, yeah, just lovingly holding my experience for me. And, you know, she was just like, I'm so happy you're having this experience and that it, the, the medicine is working with you in this way. And yeah, we sat and chatted for a little while. It was very, very nice. And then she helped me go back to my room and got me lemonade. I had absolutely zero desire to eat any food, but I really wanted like a fruit beverage. She brought me a lemonade. She she cleaned my room. And then I, uh, I was back in my room just in awe. And I had these like couches in my room. So I just sat there and just watched the birds and was like, wow, they're so majestic. Like, I was just watching them flying and floating in the air and circling. And I was like, wow, like we really underestimate the beauty right in front of us. Like this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Um, and I was watching the trees and kind of like <laughs> tripping out a little bit. And I went back outside and sat in the hammock. Um, so I love that there's like all these hammocks on the land. And I sat in one of them and I was just in awe. Um, and there was this moment where it was like, all these leaves were falling from the trees. It was really beautiful. And I was just like, wow, <laughs> nature is amazing. Like this is like even more, like I've had these experiences before where I really connected with nature, but this was on a whole other level. <laughs> and I was like sitting in the hammock, really just taking it all in. And I looked down at my hand and there was this leaf in my hand that just landed there. And I was like, wow. And I took it with me. Um, it, it really just felt like a gift from the earth. Um, and I saw this really cool iguana climbing a tree. And yeah, just a lot of open eye visuals. There was a lot of times where I would be looking and see like an animal. And then I realized that it was just uh, like <laughs> a branch or a tree or a bush. Like there were a lot of moments of like, is that a bird or is it a tree? Like a lot of open eye visuals. But like I said, they were very gentle and not at all overwhelming. Um, it was like a very pleasant trippy. Ah, yeah. And then around 6 p.m. I think it was, that was when I was like, okay, can someone tell me around what time it is? I don't want to know the exact time, but around the time, so it was around 6 p.m. that I kind of felt ready to be around people. I was like, wow, I've just had this most amazing day. So at this point, the medicine was like a little less intense and I started feeling like a kid. <laughs> like I grabbed these beads that the daughter, the five-year-old daughter of Levi was playing with me with the other day. We were making like mandalas. So I like took those beads and played with them and had so much fun making this mandala and I just like felt like a kid the way that I was like speaking the like there's like still very clear lessons coming through and by the time dinner was served I still wasn't hungry but I thought I should try to get some food down so I had like a little tiny bit of soup um and I was sitting at the dinner table with Levi and a few other people and like again I just I felt like a kid and the way I was talking was like a kid and I was just eating the soup and I was like earth is good food from the earth is good <laughs> and Levi like kind of laughed at me and he was like yes yes earth is good there's nowhere else humans should be where this is where we're meant to be um and it kind of just like helped me realize that yeah the food that I'm meant to eat is food from the earth whether that's you know plants from the earth or animals that were created from the earth I just 
should eat food that is from the earth, not from laboratories, you know, just food from the earth is good. Very, very simple, clear, direct guidance from Iboga. Uh, around 7 p.m., I started feeling tired, but not quite ready for bed. And I started getting a pretty bad headache. And then I think it would have been around like 8 or 9 that I, and I did finally fall asleep around 9 p.m. So this was 9 p.m. on day three. And the last sleep that I had, you know, was day two in the morning. So I was up for quite a while, like over 24 hours, it would have been. And at this point, I was like, okay, to look at the clock because I wanted a reference, fell asleep around nine. And then I woke up and you guys, I was at such peace when I woke up. I was just like, wow, life. And the first thing that came to my mind was the Bwiti prayer. So the Bwiti only have one prayer and it is in the morning, you thank the creator for another day of life. And that's the first thing that came to my mind when I woke up in the, in the, what I perceived to be in the morning. I, I, I felt so rested and just excited for the day. I was like, wow, I get to go live life. And so I looked at the clock and it was midnight. <laughs> So I slept for like three hours and I felt completely refreshed. Um, and then I had a really big headache and neck pain. So I was like, you know what? I should try to eat something. I think my body. Oh, that was the other like very clear message I got was like headache, need food and hydration. <laughs> like that's what your body's trying to tell you when you have a headache. So I went into the kitchen and I had like light trailers that were really intense. So the open eye visuals were still very much present. Um, so I went to the kitchen and I honestly couldn't imagine getting any food down. Like I was still not hungry, but I, I ended up eating watermelon and then I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to bed. And then I laid down. And then the second I laid down, I was like, uh Oh, <laughs> and I ran to the living room to grab the bucket and I puked it all up. So that was not pleasant, but then, yeah, I fell asleep eventually and woke up the next day just feeling amazing. And that's where I'm going to stop this episode. Um, that was kind of the first half of the Iboga retreat at Iboga Wellness. I am excited to share the second half with you. The second ceremony was on day five. So in episode two of this, I'm going to cover day four to eight, the second ceremony. Like I said, the second ceremony was completely different, like the complete opposite of that experience. So... I'm excited to share it with you. Um, I'm feeling really amazing right now. I loved sharing this story with you guys. It was truly, yeah, the worst experience of my life followed by the best experience of my life. That discovery day was huge for me and it was definitely life-changing and just, yeah, it gave me so much. So yeah, I'm going to leave that there. I am going to answer a couple of questions that you guys asked. Um, okay, so a question that I have here from Leah is, what was it like physically? On Aya, I was not able to stand up at all on my first time. I couldn't even open my eyes. Yeah, so I think that the ayahuasca that I drink is like on the weaker side <laughs> um, than most people. But um, Iboga was pretty similar physically, but just like more intense. <laughs> so it was like the same dizzying feeling that I get on ayahuasca, the same nausea feeling. The purging was a little like more gross I would say and intense but yeah it was pretty similar just more intense peaceful Robin said did it show you your shadows and how did it show you I think the whole like 
body thing that I talked about and how I kind of have always made decisions trying to be like other people was, I don't know if it's shadows, but it was definitely like parts of myself that I wasn't able to see before. Um, and it showed me just through insight, insight and awareness and through that, that voice of truth that came by, um, the body thing was really cool because it kind of just like showed me like it like scanned my body and just said like you hate this and this and like you literally hate every part of your body. How did the breakthroughs come through for you? Visions, voices, knowings, etc. This is my friend Celine. Um, yeah, it was through the visions were like really cool to watch like the open eye visuals. But I think that most of my breakthroughs came from having access to that voice of truth. And like I said, like I was reading to you guys, like I see the truth now, like Iboga teaches you by just showing you the truth. Um, and in the Bwiti, it said that each person is responsible for finding and confirming the truth for themselves. And Iboga is like a medicine that helps us to do that. Michael Pastor says, do you feel Iboga was more of a masculine medicine versus Aya being a feminine medicine? Yeah, this is often said, um, you know, Levi tells us that it's both the masculine and the feminine. I, I wouldn't prescribe like a masculine or feminine energy to it. It kind of just like is its own thing. It's kind of like neutral in that way. I guess the way that it teaches is like very, very direct, which can be masculine, but it's also very gentle and loving, which is feminine. So I think, yeah, I, I think it is a bit of both. Uh, Louise says, would you recommend Iboga for someone that has never worked with plant medicine before? I wouldn't recommend Iboga for anyone. <laughs> I think that if you want to do Iboga, it's something that should come from within you and a call from within you. I'm, you know, I'm sharing these experiences for people who want to learn about what it's like. Um, but if, if it's something that you feel called to do and you've done your research on, then, you know, that's who I would say Iboga is for whether it's something that you should do if you've never worked with plant medicine before. Again, like uh, I think that that is something that each person has to kind of determine on their own. I know for me, like like I said, ayahuasca is the thing that led me to iboga. Here I am. <laughs> How does it compare to ayahuasca slash psilocybin and does it taste like poop? <laughs> this is Stacy, one of my former coaching clients. So uh, it doesn't taste great, <laughs> not going to lie. Apparently it gets worse the more that you drink it, but um, how does it compare to ayahuasca and psilocybin? It's a completely different league. It's a completely different medicine. Like I said, the physical feeling for me was similar to ayahuasca, just way, way more intense. Like you get way more sick on iboga. Um, but yeah, I think it's a unique medicine that is a, a league of its own. <laughs> so I'll do one more. What changes do you see in yourself? You guys, I just feel so different since being back. I've already had like some like quote unquote triggers or like things that have happened that in the past probably would have really affected me. But I just feel at peace, like the voice in my head has changed. Um, there's less noise in my brain. I just I'm I'm excited for life. It's kind of hard to place my finger on like what feels different. But I feel like after seeing these truths about myself, like there is no way that things are going to be the same as they were. 
Um, and then, oh, okay, one last one from the same person, the chilled out Indian. Um, how long was the experience? Yeah, so it lasted about 30 hours. And then the open eye visuals continued well on into the second ceremony day. So you kind of get those like light tracer visuals for days after. Um, and that's because, yeah, Iboka is just a very, very powerful medicine and we did receive flood doses of it. So yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you guys have any questions at all about this experience, please, um, don't hesitate to message me on modern psychedelics on the Instagram. If you have any questions about Iboga wellness, you can get in touch with Levi. Their website is ibogawellness.com. If you have any questions about my experience at Iboga wellness, I would absolutely love to share it with you guys, uh, even more so than on this episode. I love, I love sharing things with you guys. So yeah, you feel free to DM me. I always answer DMs. Um, sometimes it can take me a little while, but I do always answer them. Again, Modern Psychedelics is the Instagram account. And like I said, again, the disclaimer here is that I am simply sharing my experiences. They are not gospel. Please remember that each person's Iboga experience is completely different. And within each person, each like each experience can be different. So by no way do I want any of you guys to take what you hear from me and have an expectation that that's what the experience should be like. Um, in fact, you know, after you kind of decide to do Iboga, it's probably best to stop listening to other people's experiences. I share this because it can usually be a catalyst for people deciding to have it for themselves. Uh, but there's a point where you're just like, okay, I've done enough research and I know, and I'm going to stop now because we can bring those expectations to our ceremonies with us, which can kind of get in the way of the experience unfolding the way that it's meant to. So thank you so much, Levi. Thank you so much, Iboga Wellness and all of the helpers who were there to make this such a beautiful experience. I will be recording the next episode probably right after this, and it will be released in couple of weeks. So look out for that. And thank you also to to the Buiti people and to Moginda and the Misoko tribe in in Gabon and just for this beautiful, beautiful medicine and for all of the people out there who are, you know, devoting their lives to this to this beautiful medicine. And um yeah, I'm not an expert. I'm not a provider. I'm just here to share my experiences. So if you have any more like Iboga specific questions, it's probably a good idea to get in touch with someone like Levi, who is trained as a provider. So I am also going to be having Levi back on the podcast for another interview. So if you have any Iboga specific questions that you want me to ask him, feel free to DM me or email me and I will make sure that I ask him your questions. With that, thank you all so much for listening. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and a rating on Spotify. It really helps the podcast grow. Um, this is also an ad-free episode, so if you would like to contribute and donate to help with the cost of running Modern Psychedelics ad-free, please uh, go ahead and donate to the PayPal link that's in the show notes. And besides that, I will talk to you guys all in the next episode, sending you so much love and basi, which means truth in the buiti. And that is kind of the thing that is used, the word that is used around the fire and in the tradition. So basi and much love.
Thank you so much for listening to and supporting the show. If you haven't already, come join the ongoing conversation over on Instagram with other beautiful souls. We have a pretty incredible and conscious community over at the handle Modern Psychedelics. Hope to see you there. If this episode sparked something within, please let me know by leaving a review of the Modern Psychedelics podcast on Apple and a five-star rating on Spotify. This really helps to share these messages with those who need them. And that's really the whole reason why I do what I do. So it's greatly, greatly appreciated. And don't forget that the work begins after you come back down to earth. And I'm standing here shoulder to shoulder doing it with you. Catch you in the next episode. Bye.